Uh, good morning, First Alliance Church. Uh, I pray and I hope that you are doing well. And if this week has not been well and you have had a horrible week, no worries, you are exactly where you need to be. Uh, if I have not met you yet, my name is Chen and I have the absolute privilege Hey, <laughs> of serving here at First Alliance Church with amazing people and as their youth pastor. Um, and I hope that in our time together, I, I, I get a chance to meet you as well. Um, you're not here by mistake. Uh, you're not here simply because you had an alarm, you had a routine that you go through on, Saturday, on Sunday mornings. Uh, you're not here just simply because your parents made you. I mean might be true, part of it, Uh, but you're here because God has filled your lungs with his breath and you have experienced his mercy and his grace and has poured upon you abundantly and today he desires you to know him more. So with that being said, we will be in Luke chapter 15, so if you have your Bibles with you, you guys can turn to Luke chapter 15. Uh, verses 11 to 32. If you do not have a Bible, uh, feel free to use the ones that are in the pews in front of you. And if you don't have one at home, uh, we encourage you, take that home with you today. Uh, receive it as a gift from us as First Alliance Church to you. Uh, and our prayer is that as you take those uh, Bibles home and as you read it, that you will get to know the Lord more and more and more. So the name LeBron James... LeBron James, uh, if you like basketball or you enjoy watching watching basketball, LeBron James is a name that you are very familiar with, right? Uh, He's, I would say that he's become a household name. Uh, Most of the time, it's in the conversation of who is the goat. And again, I'm not meaning that it's a goat as in the animal, but the goat as in the greatest of all time. Uh, many also consider LeBron James to be the face of the NBA, uh, the NBA right now. Uh, throughout his career, he has many, many accomplishments, uh, very impressive ones too. Uh, one that is just, you know, that he just said a few weeks ago, uh, in his career, which he surpassed Kareem Abdul Jabbar, uh, becoming the NBA all-time leading scorer. And that record was held on to uh, uh, Abdul, uh, Abdul Jabbar uh, for about 38 years. So pretty impressive resume, right? Uh, another thing that LeBron is also known for is his history of switching teams. His history of saying, I'll play for you for three, four years. I'll play for you for three, four years. And he switches it up. Uh, a brief record of his, a brief history of the teams that he's played for. Again, this is un- unusual because, again, a player of his caliber usually runs the franchise, usually is the face of a franchise. But yet, here's LeBron being a mega superstar in, in the NBA, and he chooses to pick different teams to play for. Uh, so a little bit about his, uh, his, his uh, team career here is that uh, he was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in, 20, uh, in 2003. Uh, and played for them for seven seasons. And then he decided to take his talents to South Beach, Florida, and played with the Miami, Miami Heat for four years, winning two championships. 
And then in the summer of 2014, he announced that he will be returning to Cleveland. And there he will play for another four years, teaming up with another young superstar by the name of Kyrie Irving. And again, I'll just throw this in there, is that they beat the Golden State Warriors in 2016 and bringing a championship to Cleveland. So if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, I just want to remind you. Um, (laughs) And then after that, he... After this Cleveland years, then like he decided that I'm going to play for the L.A. Lakers. And again, L.A. Lakers, a, a very well-known franchise, right? Uh, I remember that when he announced that he will be returning to Cleveland, uh, there were articles, articles written about him. Uh, and they, they were titled, some of them were titled, LeBron James, the prodigal son, returns to Cleveland. Uh, honestly, like as excited as, as I was, I felt bad for his teammate Kyrie because, you know, Kyrie was playing there at a, at, at a very high level, but the Cavs in general, they just weren't lurking, or looking too hot. Uh, they had multiple losing seasons, and then all of a sudden, LeBron James comes back, and then everybody were like, okay, the Cleveland Cavaliers is the best NBA team ever. Uh, eventually, everyone started saying Kyrie. Again, Kyrie was the one that was there prior through those very rough seasons. Everyone started saying Kyrie is the sidekick to LeBron, which didn't go over too well eventually, right? Now, there are parallels between these two stories. Uh, one of them is the one of them that we want to highlight is this welcome back, welcoming back someone who left for selfish reasons. Again, LeBron, I understand you were in your growing stage, but. Someone who left, and then as they return, there's a party that goes on for them. All the while, those who stay committed to the to to the cause is thrown in the back burner. But one thing that is different between these two stories, the one that we'll be looking into today, is this one character that we're going to highlight, and this character is the father. The father whose heart was to restore and to reconcile the sons. In our text this morning, we'll be looking at this parable, a parable that many of us, if we grew up in the church or went to VBS, we probably heard of uh, the prodigal son. The parable that some of us, a parable that some of us in this very room could relate with on a personal level of how his grace and his mercy took you and turned you away from sin and made you face Jesus and walk towards him. Then we'll also be looking at another character in the story, which is the older son. And then the last character we'll be looking at is the father. All of this is, is what we want to capture from this parable this morning is this, is the father is not the attitude of the younger son. It's not the attitude or the character of the older son. But it's the father's heart for both of them. And my hope and prayer is that through our message, through this message, is that you would hear, that you would meet, and that you will grow deeper with Jesus. 
So let's turn our attention to Scripture. We're not going to read this whole section of Scripture, but I want to read this one verse, verse 24, which pretty much gives the summary for our time together. In verse 24, Jesus says this, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer is very simple this morning. It is that your word and your call to those who have strayed, those who are in need of rest, and those who are celebrating your grace and your mercy, that they would hear your word and that your word will be stitched upon their hearts. Lord, we come before you and we commit all this to you. All glory to you, Lord. Amen. So, we're going to kind of codename these characters, these two sons, just so like, if I say a codename or something, you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, so, we're going to codename the younger son as a prodigal, right? That's, that's kind of like the, his name in the scripture. But for the older son, we're going to codename him as the protege. And then the father, we're just going to leave as the father. Uh, we're going to go through each of their point of view and, and see how God's heart is seen in all of this for them. So let's read, so let's start, let's, let's jump right into, uh, we'll, we'll look at the younger son, the prodigal. So would you read with me verses 11 to 19? And it says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property and reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy, worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So Jesus opens up this parable, right, with these three characters, the father and two sons. And then our attention is automatically geared towards and focused on the younger son. Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. We see that in the first verse there in that section. And let's hit the pause button for a second. The words that the younger son chooses to use here is pretty offensive. You're probably wondering what, 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 how, like he's just asking his father. Well, um, to ask the father of his inheritance suggests that the younger son is pretty much saying, Father, you're going to die anyways. You might as well give me what you're going to give me anyways right now. In a way, it was heard as a curse is that I hope you will die sooner so that I will give, get what I deserve or get what I want. 
If we were to use two words to describe this younger son's attitude, it will be this. Two words, I want. This was the condition of his heart. This was what the younger son wanted, is that I want what I want. You can kind of see the younger son probably as he's working the fields and everything, he's probably saying, I want my freedom. I want what is due to me. I want, I want, I want. Now, I can only imagine that as a father, if I was to hear this, and uh, if a child is asking this, if your child is just simply saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, uh, your immediate answer will probably be like, no, uh, that's not how this happens. That's not how this works. Check your attitude before you get in trouble. But that's not what we see in the scriptures, right? That's not what we see here. What we see here is that the father actually goes like, okay, sure. Well, here you go. The father gives him this inheritance. The younger son would eventually go and pack up all his stuff. And he goes like, you know what? I have better things to do than to stay here. I'm going to leave. I'm going to live my life the way I want to. Uh, growing up, I've always been familiar with the, with the word or with the story of the prodigal son, but I actually uh, never knew what prodigal meant. But prodigal means it is defined as someone who spends money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. And that's exactly what we see this younger son do. We see in scriptures that he takes all his things, he goes to a different country, he wastes all his money, and then not only that happen, does that happen, a famine runs through that country, and then eventually he goes, I gotta survive, so I gotta find a job. He goes and hire, he goes and he is hired as a pig feeder. And there, there's this aha moment that he has, and he says, you know what? I can go back to my father, because my father, he, he can hire me as a helping hand, and I can be fed. Again, and hence, his motivation here was not forgiveness. His motivation here was not restoration. His motivation here was food. Some scholars, they speculate that this was his plan. This aha moment was the moment where he planned all this so that he will be, so that he will be ushered back into his father's property. Uh, others say that this was a genuine thought of repentance that he was like, I have messed up. I need to go back to my father. Now, no matter where you fall or land within this, one thing to note is that he returns and we will stop there for the for the younger son some of us here in this room will resonate with the younger son is that you you probably grew up in church You've been in part of discipleship groups you've gone through multiple curriculums and multiple uh, small groups you've been active in seasons prior, but somewhere along the lines, you decided, I want to do what I want to do. 
So if you do resonate with that, awesome. Keep your ears open as we continue on. So let's move on to the older son. And again, we codename him as the protege. And, and, And the protege, if we were to look at the definition of it, a protege is a person who is guided and supported by an older and more experienced or influential person. So we can definitely see that the older son was in a way a protege because we see that the father invested in him. So let's read a little bit more about him in verses 25 to 29. So let's go there. And it says this. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your, brothers, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but, his, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. And I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. His story, the protege. So he comes around. He finds that there is this party going on and he's like, what's all this for? Well, well, what's going on? So it's interesting, right? He, as the son, as a owner of the property, too, as as uh, uh, he he goes and instead of actually going up to the house to find out for himself, he asks the servant, "Go and find out what's going on." To which the servant replies, "Your brother has come home." And instead of excitement and joy, the older brother feels anger and jealousy. His father comes out to him and encourages him, join in the celebration. And to which we see the older son just simply refuses. You can imagine the dialogue that the the older son probably has here is that, Father, I have served you for many years. Without disobeying. Not once did I get what I deserved. I serve you so I deserve what is mine. And to some of us here, we will probably agree. We'll probably say, yeah, pay the guy. He worked for him and, you know, if he asked for a small goat, give him a small goat. You see, it's interesting is that like, This older brother was so mad that he couldn't even consider that the younger brother was his brother. In verse 30, we see this, but when this son of yours, in a way, saying that I disown my brother, because he's no longer my brother, but he's your son, don't put me next to him. This echo in his mind probably saying, why am I not given what I deserve? Earlier we said that the two words that could describe the younger son is I want. For the older son, it's I deserve. 
a bit more about this parable, but this parable um, historically is often seen as one that is preached for the wayward son or the wayward person, someone who who is on their way on a path of destruction and how God welcomes them back. And again, that is part of what we see in here, right? That's what we see in Scripture. But it also serves as a reminder for those who Growing up in Christian communities, in Christ-following communities, those who are familiar with the Christian context. And those who resonate with that is that we can become so accustomed to the Christian norm that when someone comes to know the Lord, we wonder, how come my story isn't like theirs? Here's the powerful thing here, is that this parable still, it speaks to you too. If you're wondering where, where does it say that, well, uh, let's, let's backtrack a bit. At the beginning of this chapter, who is it that Jesus is talking to? Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and scribes, people who knew the scriptures, people who knew the law, people who knew of this father figure. And again, I'm not saying that we are Pharisees and scribes, but this is one thing I want to remind us is that God's word speaks to us who resonates with the older son. We are not excluded from this parable. When we look at these sons, each son represents you and I. We may find ourselves like the youngest son, a prodigal, Or we may find ourselves as the older son, a protege. And the father's heart extends to you and I still. So we look at our last character here, the father. Now throughout this parable, if you are familiar with this, this father figure is, could, could, could be seen as like a bridge between the two brothers. Is that he fills in this role as a mediator. But I think that for us to just simply look at, it, look at him as a mediator and just leave it there is pretty shallow, a uh, shallow way to see the Father. Um, so we'll dive into this in a little bit here. Earlier I said that the words that could, des- that, that could describe the attitude of the younger son is, I want. And then for the older son is, I deserve. All very centered focus, but for the father, if we looked at what he does, uh, when we look at what he does for the two sons, we could probably say that his attitude was two words called uh, saying, I give. So within these verses, we see the father's actions. It is to bring reconciliation and to bring restoration. His business is about bringing his children back home to himself. He is not just some mediator or just some bridge that you go to and then he goes, like, okay, here's a formula to figure it out. No, he is restoration and reconciliation. 
So let's look at this text. Let's look at the next few verses here, verses 20 to 24. And we're going to look at his interactions with the two sons here. First, the prodigal. Verses 20 to 24. It says this. And he, the younger son, arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So we see the father's action towards the younger son. He doesn't look from afar and as he sees the son walking, he doesn't close the doors and tell them, go away. No, he runs and embraces. The younger son. This three-letter word, run, or ran. So what's so significant about this? It's, it's simple. It's very simple here is that old men do not run. Now, again, it, it's not that they can't run. Honestly, they can probably run better than me right now, but... But that the action of running in that culture is shameful. Scholar David Garland writes this. Some claim that running is beneath the the dignity of an oriental elder because they suggest that he is not in control of his time or his resources. And he would have humiliated himself, pulling up his long robes and bearing his legs as he dashed out to greet his son. And you know what? That's exactly what this father did. This father sees his son and he runs to him. He rejoices when, he's, when, the, when, when he sees the son returning One thing to also know here is that the father doesn't even let the younger son finish his excuse. Right? What we see in here in the verses is that the son comes and then as a father embraces him, he goes, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And remember what else what he was going to add on to that is that I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. That was his full excuse. But you can imagine the father embracing him, holding him by his face and saying, you are home. You are home. Now let's look at the older son. The protege. In verses 30 to 32. It says this. The older brother says. But when this son of yours came. Who has devoured your property with prostitutes. And killed the fattened calf for you. Killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him. Son you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate 
and be glad, for this brother was dead, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. We read earlier that the older son was very vocal about the father's actions of welcoming the younger son back. It's like the father just totally forgot about what the younger son did. And now we see the father's response to the older son. The father extends the invitation to the older son, wanting him to join in this moment of celebration to which we see that the older son refuses. And not only that, the father reminds the son that everything that he owns is the son's already. So we may be reading this and we're like, well, how is it his, right? So some cultural context here is this, is that once the patriarch, the head of the family during, or in the Eastern world, is that there is a patriarch of the family. And once that, fam- that patriarch dies, the person who inherits all of what the patriarch has is the oldest son. So what the father is saying here is that you already know that once I am gone, everything is yours. The land, the animals, the crops, the resources, you name it. The responsibilities as well. They are yours, son. You see, again, it will be passed down to them, to the, young, to the oldest son, in hopes that the oldest son will continue to keep the family together. And we'll get into that in a little bit here. We can clearly see the father's heart in this parable is to bring restoration and reconciliation to both his sons. Two sons who are on different paths but has the same need. Bring him to a place of rejoicing and peace. We've seen the prodigal's heart. We've seen the protege's heart, and we've seen the father's heart. So I turn to us here this morning, is you may find yourself resonating with one of the sons. To the ones who resonates with the younger son, the, one who, the ones who are sitting here this morning and saying, I'm that younger son. Listen to these words from an author by the name of David Murray. He writes this, quote, Sin sickens you, doesn't it? It didn't once. It used to taste so sweet and satisfying for a moment or two at least. Now it disgusts you and makes you sick. Here's the good news. Is that such sickness is a sign of returning health. Forgiveness awaits. You think that you're heading home to your father, but he has already left to find you. To the ones who resonates with the older son, realize that each day you wake up, you are a child of the king. 
that through Jesus you are a child of the King. So many times when we are when we find ourselves as the one who resonates with the older son, we get so caught up with looking on the ground that we forget that on our head is a crown. The Father's heart extends to you. There's one more son in this parable. And you guys are probably wondering, what? Like, where? The son is often overlooked. We saw the older son, uh, we saw the younger son and the older son, but here's the last one. The last son is the one who is telling this parable. John Sartell, a writer for uh, uh, Leijoner Ministries, he says this, The one who told the story was our elder brother who left his father's house to bring home his lost brothers. You see, Jesus' role in this parable was that of the oldest. We said earlier that the words that could describe or best reflect the sons were the younger son was, I want. And then the protege would be, I deserve. Now, when we look at Jesus and his attitude, three words comes to mind is this, is that the oldest son says, I will go. I will go find my lost brothers and sisters and bring them back. I will use every mean that the Father has given me, that everything that I, I, I would need, every resource, I will use that, even if it causes my death. I will use all my resources to bring my siblings back to my Father. Because I have seen the heartbreak of my father, so I will go. These are the words of the oldest son. The oldest son, Jesus. The father calls you to him through Jesus, wherever you are. You may be on that road right now that is, that is facing the other direction from the Lord. You may have been standing uh, around the Father enough, close enough, but you never actually faced Him. But today He calls you through Jesus. Are you going to hear Him? Are you going to meet him today? Are you going to allow him to embrace you? Are you going to receive his invitation? Whether you fall on the side as the protege, or you find yourself falling on the side of the prodigal, Jesus' call to the Father to you, extends to you. 
If he, if you, if today is a moment where you find yourself saying, Jesus, I will turn and follow you, praise the Lord. If today is a moment where you're saying, I have to realign myself back with the Lord because I've been living in this moment where I look down upon people around me. And Jesus, I just simply want you. This is a message for you. The Father's heart extends to you and I today. Let's pray. Let's simply take a few seconds here. And if you resonate with one of these sons, the prodigal or the protege, Know that the Father extends his hand to you, extends his love to you. He extends his grace to you. He extends his mercy to you. Father, as we conclude our time this morning... Some of us, we are, are at different points in these moments, in these paths. And Lord, what a blessing and honor it is to know that you reach out to us. That you run to us, that instead of us simply coming back, Lord, you, you've been watching from afar. And you, when you see us, as we turn back, you run to us. And to those who are in this room, who who have, have grown up in the church, who has known you for many years, but has created the but in, in the seasons of knowing you, there's a root of bitterness, a root of jealousy. Lord, you look at us and you tell us that and you remind us that we are in the family of God, that we celebrate, we have a victory, that we are no longer dead, but we are alive. Lord, this morning, know that you will meet us. So Father, I pray this as we conclude our time, that you will continue to meet us where we are at. Draw us closer to you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. all this. Would you be with us in your son Jesus' name?